eat, drink, smoke, where we eat the fine food, drink the fine bourbon, smoke the fine cigars, Blend Bar Cigars, where we record, Indianapolis, Indiana, BlendBarCigar.com. April D. Gregory is here, Fingers Malloy is here. We always start with the bourbon. We always start with what we're drinking, and this, from, from the people who bring you Jim Beam, and uh, possibly hangovers, uh, the Old Granddad 114. Uh, you know, at Blend, they, they recommend to us things, say, hey, try this, hey, we're really fans of that. Over the past week, everyone's like, yeah, you're doing old granddad. It's happening. We're doing a whole old young thing, or with the cigar, it's actually quite old. We'll get to it. This is a mash bill of 63% corn, 27% rye, 10% malted barley, and for whatever reason, April hates Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey. Like, hate, like, it's irrational. I don't know why all of a sudden... It's not irrational. It has a very different, distinct taste than a, a... Different type of bourbon. Have you, t- have you taken a note? Have you checked the nose on this? I have. It does smell like your typical Kentucky bourbon. You sound so angry. I just hope none of this was destroyed in the fire. You know, Jim Beam had a big fire about right. a month ago. So I. I Wait, well, this, this is, a, is here. This is a Beam product. Yeah. Oh. It is a Jim Beam product. That's. I mean, so many of the of the big distillers have so many offshoots and so many other uh, places here. The nose is going to give you vanilla. It's going to give you a, a bit of a, of a of a syrupy kind of feel to it. Actually, I like the nose because for for you know a level of, of strong, right? So the alcohol in this uh, by volume is fifty seven, which means it's one hundred fourteen proof, which means it's gonna, <laughs> you did not wait. You jumped right in. Fingers is uh, applauding. It's going to have some uh, strength to it. Um, the palate on this is again going to have the sweet and the, the dark sweet and the dark fruits. Are you getting a little licorice in this? Um, wait. N- no, it dark fruit it can get you in that place, right? Yeah. Dark fruit is plums. Dark fruit is is is, is blackberries. Those kinds of things. That's different than something being fruity. Fruity we consider sweet. Dark fruits you're, you're getting into a much richer kind kind of feel to it. So this is going to have dark fruit on on the palate. It's going to be a bit of a leather and some baking spices in there, and then it's a it's supposed to finish off with with. Uh, Caramel and a bit of hay. So think of just a, and a, burn. a dry feel. Yes. <laughs> and hair on thy chest. There goes April. She's doing the Kentucky chew. Uh, are you still chewing? Mm-hmm. Are you still chewing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Are you, you going to spit it out? Or are you going mm. she- chewing to. Chewing to spewing in about just 2.4 seconds. Woo. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> but, but so no. Yeah. Really? That was a no. Oh, wow. Now, the nose on this is lovely because sometimes you get into the higher proofs and you get antiseptic right. in it. You know, like we, you like certainly with the scotches you do. We did the, uh, the Ardbeg uh, just, just a week ago, and that's antiseptic. Almost, it, you described it as chloroseptic, April. It, like, w- it was literally chloroseptic. It wasn't bad, though. But No, it wasn't. It was addicting. Fingers? I'm going straight for the rock just in case. It's going to help. That's delightful. Oh, yeah, that is. That is, that's exactly what you expect bourbon to taste like. Okay. Stings the tip of the tongue, doesn't burn. Actually goes down very smooth with no burn on the throat. And then it realizes, oh, wait, we've been drank. Let me go attack your chest with fire. Oh, top oh, see, of the chest burn. Oh. The tongue. It hits you on the tongue. But sting, not burn. Right. Uh, but it didn't I, hit you on the back of the throat, right? Nothing on the back of the throat. And I'm not feeling much of a burn uh, in my chest. Not any more than usual, anyway. Oh, that's exactly, exactly what you think bourbon should taste like. Like the, however you envision your grandfather having a drink, this is it. 
My this grandfather totally drank it. the champagne of beers. Your father was a Miller High Life guy? My grandfather. Uh, bless his soul. But is he still with us? He's not. Bless his soul, then. But it, it doesn't give you the old man whiskey taste that Dennis Leary used to talk about. I tr- can I tell you I'm not impressed with Dennis Leary? No? I appreciate his support of like uh, first responders and stuff like that, and firefighters. Um, I, 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 yeah, he has never done anything for me. I've never understood why he. I remember from the MTV days, yeah, when he was yelling, screaming guy, and I've seen this routine, and I'm just not, I'm just not there on Dennis Leary. There was that whole Sam Kinison, Andrew Dice Clay, Den- theft. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> He's the Carlos Mencia of his time. Oh wow! Was Dennis Leary on N- MTV? Den- yeah, Dennis Leary was this uh, screaming, yelling character. He just do these little vignettes for thirty seconds, like the- in the '80s. In the nineties, I'd yeah, say. Early nineties, yeah. I mean uh. it was he would do these thirty second black and white vignettes where he would be pacing back and forth in front of a brick wall and maybe they'd have someone playing drums or something and you know, mm-hmm. he the famous one was about uh, you know, Cindy Crawford. Right. He wants MTV all Cindy all the time and I'll bring a box of Eskimo pops with me or whatever and that and then it would just show the MTV logo and that would be the end of it. That was at the beginning of the 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 era when uh, MTV stopped playing music. Yeah, yeah and, then, and then everyone went back. The beginning of I think that, it's yeah. like, I, I think they launched August of 81. Yeah. So it's been a million years. As soon as they started doing the real world, that began them going away from all music videos all the time to original. Yeah, but the real content. world was, was evo- I mean, revolutionary. No, yeah, literally. Done it? I mean, it was they the first reality, reality show. TV. Yeah. yeah, and then once they saw how much money you can make, how could you not keep doing it? Just give me a video every once in a while. Someone playing a guitar. That's all no, I ask. They, they, no. Forget no about one, it. No one is playing guitar. Right. If it can't be auto-tuned, forget <laughs> it. And that's why I need to create a rap album. If you send me $5 right now, Honestly, I sometimes... Is that some rap grift? Uh, yeah, it's rap grift. <laughs> I, uh, that in country music, I often ask how tough it can be. And that doesn't mean that there aren't good country artists and good rappers out there. But country music has devolved into, hey, pretty girl, you look real good, get in my truck, down to the crick, sex is happening, goodbye. Like, that's the whole... That, and then there's the, the, the ballad of, I'll love you forever. It's the same lyrics. It's the same stuff. Again and again, I don't. And eighty-five percent like country. And eighty-five percent of those songs are written by somebody else. You just kind of show up, say, "Yeah, I like that one. I like that one. I like that one." And then so, you- why can't we write some country songs? And I'll use Creek, not Crick. No, you should use Crick. Uh, I don't think it, I don't think it uh, works for me. I actually wrote a country song in the nineties. Is that true? It was called uh, Hangover. Yeah. Wait, I'm serious. Yeah, I, I'll have to see it. I'll have to. Dig way deep in the Whoa, archives you to see. You wrote a country song, or you recorded a country recorded song? recorded a country song. Okay, this is different. We have to have this. I have to find it. Oh yes, you do. Yeah, there has to be audio of you. Were you singing? Yes, I was uh, singing. You were singing. Mm-hmm. You weren't just playing harpsichord. No, and this was a band. This wasn't just like uh, I went to uh, Cedar Point and put five dollars into a booth, and then they let me record something. Was it a? Um... It was a garage band recording, though. Oh, did you perform this song? At oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You weren't a band? But you weren't oh. a country band. No, it was just a just, country kind of song. Yeah. But it, we, we, were in a cover, we were in a cover band. Okay. Uh, we were called Elmview Court, which was the court that I lived on. Um, and, uh, yeah, we, we had a couple of originals. 
and this one was called Hangover, and uh, it's about hangovers. Oh, well. I we, we, I we can't I can't not think about it. I have this has to happen. <laughs> Honestly, this is full on Inception. All right, so next week I will we not record, be able to think of anything else. Next week when we record, but we'll this. all come in know. with hangovers, oh, and you can you play go. the song. Okay, I don't know if I have. I don't it. think that you have to theme. act it out. No, it can just be I, the theme. I, I, maybe you can just play pretend. I don't want the hangover. I'll kind of, I, I just want the I song. I wrote the lyrics, and uh, my buddy Steve Len, who now lives in Minneapolis, who's in a cover band uh, and plays guitar, we wrote it together. I'll see if he still has a copy so of it. So the name of the song is Hangover? Yeah. Are any of the lyrics, do they involve the words, where are my pants? Uh, no, but uh, there is one lyric that uh, someone's bra is on my floor. Yeah. So at least there, there is a clothing. Is there a nightstand burrito? No. Mm. That didn't happen. No. That it didn't happen. Uh, I'm the, the old granddad. One fourteen is seriously good. It is. It's seri- This is what bourbon should be. And I'm apprehensive uh, about putting it over ice. I, oh, I didn't. I added a. Some of my cube melted. We use large rocks here. I didn't use chips this time. So good. And so I took a little bit of the of the water, the chilled water, and I put it in the in the bourbon itself. I didn't go the other way with it. Gotta try it. Oh, you put it on? Yeah, I just I preacher of habit. Okay. No, uh, I'm recommending the 114. And we're not talking about expensive. I think you can find this for like 25, 30 bucks a, ba- oh, a, a get bottle. Out. Yeah, this is simple stuff. This is, it, we're not talking about trying to pretend. We're not talking about trying to, you know, uh, uh, finest thing you'll ever drink. Good bourbon. Like, this is what you think of when you think of bourbon. There are things that are more refined, there are things that have more, more openness to, to the flavors. This is what you think of when you think of bourbon, and you're not interested in trying to show your friends how special you are, right? You have no interest in being pretentious whatsoever. It's just pull out the old granddad and just begin a lovely evening. That's the stuff. Oh, my gosh. I just wrote the ad. <laughs> I just wrote the ad. Tony Katz wrote granddad. they paid you for that yet? Or well, they're about to. Tony Katz wrote granddad. Listen, I'm not interested in putting on airs. I am who I am, like you are who you are. That's why I drink Old Granddad 114. We're talking smooth, sipping bourbon right here that's going to make you feel good all over and make you feel glad you're with friends when you're drinking it or by yourself thinking about the good life ahead. That's Old Granddad 114. Get it where they sell great bourbons. Tell them Tony Katz sent you. Tell me. Tell me. Okay, we'll just cut them the clip, send it to them, and yeah, say, could we? hey, yeah. um... Yeah. It's the Jim Beam people. And as yeah. you know, Jim Beam are my favorite people. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I have, Don't uh, two let them kids. hear anything about how I feel about them. I have two kids, Jim and Beam. <laughs> um, and and a weekly on the Eat, Drink, Smoke podcast, I shame April D. Gregory for her, her just radical notions of not understanding what Jim Beam is and how it has brought America together. That's the kind of people Jim Beam are. Jim Beam for the good times. Honestly, I'm Bill Murray doing Centauri commercials. <laughs> I, I want to be Jim Beam's Bill Murray. I want to be the, the, Jim, the Bill Murray of old granddad. Find me this gig. I want to move on to Brian Karam, who's a guy you may not know. But okay. Brian Karam, you, not you, I mean people. Okay. You should know you got the notes. <laughs> right? There, there was a, hey, <laughs> we may talk about this today. Other people might not know. Why well, didn't email? I'm talking about oh, the, okay. No, okay. I did see his tweet, but I, I thought, I don't know who he is. Brian Karam is a Playboy reporter, CNN analyst, and there was a social media summit. Playboy reporter? They, they, according, they news articles? Yeah. According there? to sources, there's actually <laughs> things you can read in Playboy. Oh. You know, 
other than, you know, cup size. So he hates Trump. He is one of the never-Trumpers who's in the White House press corps. Uh, and he, there was this social media summit that took place. So it was a lot of people on the political right uh, attending the summit, people who are popular on, on Twitter and other places um, for, for all sorts of reasons. And uh, they were there to, I, I don't know, hear what President Trump had to say about it. It drove the press corps pretty nuts. It drove the, They can't believe that here are these people on the political right who are tweeting about the press corps being terrible all day sitting in the seats of honor and here's the press corps all around them with ropes separating them and the, and the whole thing. Well, and also a lot of these, these social media people have bigger followings. Well, oh, yeah. They have 10, 50 times the following some of these press people have too. So right. I'm sure they're a little butthurt. Uh, by the way, I think that's the first for the podcast. <laughs> can I can't even yes. say that? No, that's uh, not honestly, on the list. No, it's too, please, it's, that's it's too late between. now. <laughs> it's too late now. It's our, It's there. <laughs> Uh, and I, I, by the way, I don't think there's anything wrong with the expression in terms of can you use it. I personally hate it. I find it to be ridiculous. And people use it all the time. And it's me. It's my. It's puritanical Tony. I totally cringe. Butthurt doesn't make any sense to me. Where would... That is such a creation <laughs> of the internet thing. Like, this is, this is why Twitter is awful. Because it would create something as ridiculous as, as butthurt. By the way, follow me at Tony Katz. <laughs> so Brian Karam, he's there, and all of these uh, social media people are here. And Brian Karam is, like, shouting smack at him. He's calling this group of people a group of people that are eager for demonic possession. Well, one of the guys who starts yelling back is Sebastian Gorka. He's now a radio host. He was in the Trump administration. He was an advisor. And Gorka's screaming, you're a journalist, right? And Karam responds, come over here and talk to me, brother. We can go outside and have a long conversation. Now, they're already outside. This is the Rose Garden. Neither here nor there. <laughs> but when, you're, when, you, when a one man tells another man, and you, this is just the way it is, we can go outside. That is, of course, a call to a fight. It's as old as time. That's exactly what it is. I've never understood it. Like the other thing, I've never understood it, but that's what it is. So this is what he says. Now, if you'd ever seen the videos of this, you saw the videos of Gorka going over to him, yelling at him and calling him a punk, which he is. Brian Karam is a punk, period, end of discussion. But they never showed, you had to actually search for the video, where Karam is carrying on and being a total jackass, right? You have to search for what he did to get Gorka to respond. All the media reported on was the Gorka response, which is, of course, what they do. The White House has now suspended him, pulled his hard pass, Brian Karam, for 30 days. Damn straight. No. No? Permanently. Okay. Permanently. Um, Why is this guy... He, if, he, if he came into Blend Bar Cigar here in Indianapolis and behaved like that, he would be banned permanently. I, why? This is the White House. You are supposed to be a journalist representing Playboy, and you need to behave in a certain way. And when you're calling out people, invited guests at the White House saying, hey, let's take it outside. Okay, let's take it outside. You go outside and never come back. You're not invited anymore. It is a privilege to have a press pass. It's not a right. I completely agree with you, but I want to know, is there another side to the story? Because I saw 
when I saw this being tweeted by him that he got his suspended, it was tweeted by a liberal journalist that I know. I, I sorry, I'd repeat myself, but <laughs> I am wondering. She and she very much said that this was preposterous and he should be re- and she just was in shock and he should be reinstated. Well, I would argue that. So I'm I, wondering what the other side is there another there side to this? There's another side of the story. The the other side of the story is that the press corps believes that they can do anything mm. and since the first amendment exists, they're covered. The first amendment covers their right to cover. The first amendment doesn't necessarily cover decorum, which is to say that Glenbar Cigar, Indianapolis, Indiana, Pittsburgh, Nashville, Houston, GlenbarCigar.com, can decide their dress code. They can decide how you act here. The White House should be able to decide that you can't be telling people who are invited guests, let's step outside. If it's okay to do to Sebastian Gorka, is it okay to do to the Prime Minister of Britain? Exactly where does it end? What, it, it, calling somebody outside to fight is calling somebody outside to fight. When this whole thing happened with Jim Acosta, and Jim Acosta sued and was able to get reinstated. His press pass reinstated because there were no official procedures from the White House. I thought that was nuts. You don't need official procedures. We decide you're not welcome anymore. That's it. This is not me saying that we should be attacking the press because it wasn't that CNN was banned. It's that Jim Acosta is a guy who was interested in Jim Acosta and not interested in actual reporting. And Brian Karam did the same thing. Playboy tweeted out, suspension of credentialed press by the government is incredibly concerning. We are working with our lawyers to appeal the decision to suspend Brian Karam. Since 1953, Playboy has fought to protect First Amendment rights, and the fight must continue today. Playboy was not banned from covering the White House. Well, and, and listen, when I'm mocking Playboy, it's I, I understand that Playboy has had a long tradition of actually, you know, especially in commentary, social commentary, it... it they do have some well, they respected have and have a had some respected long writers. tradition with Donald Trump. Well, yeah, but the thing is, is that Playboy is a shell of its former self to begin with. So, so that's where sure. I'm going off on. But, but again, like you said, Tony, they aren't banning Playboy from being there. The White House should have a right to say, "Listen, you as a, a media organization can come in here and cover us." But that guy, because of this reason, cannot come in here anymore. And if it's, uh, hey, you know what, he, he's a little too tough on us, then shame on the White House. But if it's, hey, he's trying to, to start a fight, right? you're out of here. Stop it. Don't well, act the, like that's the same thing. Because it's a decorum conversation. It is not a reporting conversation. He, the White House would not be right to ban him if, to say, you know, we don't like his reporting. Right. That's the kind of stuff you get from uh, Duarte in, in, the, in the Philippines, right? That's the kind of stuff you get from Putin, except you end up in jail and life is not good after that. Right. That's China. Uh, that's not us, and I would not be in favor of that. But we are discussing here decorum. And decorum, I believe the White House is allowed to dictate. Now, if you say to me, who is Trump to decide decorum? Well, sorry, the man got elected. Vote him out of office. It's always the answer, by the way. You don't like somebody, vote him out of office. Yeah. You've got you got twenty people all dying to do it. And I'm not going to get into the debates right now. I'll get to the, get to the debates later. I don't want to. I don't want to rush that. That needs its own time and the cigar. And I'm going to need to relax and lots of heavy breathing. You know, not not sexual heavy breathing, just to kind of relax. Well, what else? Heavy breathing can be one of two things. I didn't want anyone to think that I thought there was something sexual. Rest assured, I thought you were the, looking at a picture no of Tulsi. Well, there was, was Tulsi Gabbard. Yeah. 
It was Representative Gabbard. Listen, I know it's shallow. You want me to talk about her politics? They're miserable. You want me to talk about the white suit? Oh, damn. Right. Right. It's like the old granddad. Old granddad. Shouldn't she have her own segment also? <laughs> Representative Tulsi Gabbard? Yes. <laughs> oh, God. Later. Later. Okay. Decorum is decided <laughs> yeah. by the White House. And if you don't like it, don't vote for, don't vote for the occupant. Don't vote for the president. That's fine. If anybody thinks it's okay what Brian Karam said, please make yourself known to us so we don't invite you into our house. That's the I have not heard anybody defend Brian Karam. They're all going to scream First Amendment as if this is a First Amendment issue. It is this gross clouding of, of it's the it's the Elijah Cummings Baltimore tweet. <laughs> the tweet President Trump sent out about Baltimore, calling it rat and rodent infested. Uh, I, don't, I don't have the tweet in front of me. We should pull up the tweet. Um, that tweet was called racist. That tweet was called racist because Donald Trump is white, because Elijah Cummings, the congressman from the Baltimore area, is black, and because everyone is desperate to call President Trump a racist because anything to destroy him. Collusion didn't work. They probably don't think obstruction's going anywhere. So now they're bringing full-on racism and every, everything uh, to bear on, on 2020. The tweet was not racist, but since it was white president and black congressman and Baltimore, a predominantly black city, it had to be racist. Rat and rodent infested, infested referred to the fact that they have rats and rodents. The Baltimore Sun has written about this in depth going four years ago. People have been talking about this constantly. There's a video of the former mayor, a corrupt mayor. There, there seems to have a lot of corrupt mayors in Baltimore. Which former corrupt mayor yeah, right. in Baltimore? Catherine Pugh, in this case, took a tour where she said, oh, this is terrible. You could smell the rats. We should just tear all these buildings down and, and curse doing it. Oh, you can smell the dead animals. This is, these are the facts of certain areas of Baltimore. The president noticing this is fine. Now, you can say you didn't like the tweet uh, in total. That's, that's totally fine. But you can't call it racist. That is this story right here. It's about taking a, a, a subject and totally manipulating it to try and fit your fable as opposed to taking a look at it and saying here's what actually got said that's this is the great great ugly it is there's and so many t- tweets i'm trying to find the specific tweet you're talking about and there's so many after it that i can't find well the fire like, i got it right here trying to say i'm not a racist Tony, did i you, got it right here did you see the uh, local fox affiliate in Baltimore was doing a story on the tweets and local uh, reaction, resonance reaction. Did you see this? Yes. And then they cut back to her on a live shot, and as she was wrapping up the segment, a rat ran right behind her. <laughs> Big old thing, too. It's just, it was so proving the point. So uh, Trump wrote that Representative Elijah Cummings has been a brutal bully shouting and screaming at the great men and women of Border Patrol about conditions at the southern border, which is true. He was screaming at the, the uh, acting Secretary of Homeland Security, Kevin McAleenan, screaming at him. Uh, and he, Trump continued, when actually his Baltimore district is far worse and more dangerous. His district is considered the worst in the USA. As proven last week during a congressional tour, the border is clean, efficient, and well-run, just very crowded. Cummings District is a disgusting, rat and rodent-infested mess. If he spent more time in Baltimore, maybe he could help clean up this very dangerous and filthy place. You can argue that that tweet is unkind. You can argue that tweet is unnecessary. I mean, these are things you can argue. I'm not saying we're arguing it. I'm saying you can argue it. 
But you can't argue that it's racist. Now, I want to make sure I'm clear. You can't argue that it's not true. Because we've got all sorts of people who listen to the Eat, Drink, Smoke podcast. They go to iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and they subscribe. Eat, Drink, Smoke, Apple Podcasts. Subscribe. you got to give it a five-star review, and you have to write a review. These are the two things that you do. Apple Podcasts, iTunes. Subscribe to Eat, Drink, Smoke, and then give it a five-star review, and then write a review. We're growing those things. We need them to continue growing. So go to Eat, Drink, Smoke. Do it right now. If somebody sent you the podcast, go to iTunes, Eat, Drink, Smoke, and then uh, that's it. Just Eat, Drink, Smoke. Three words. Do it, Separate the words. It's cool. Uh, and then five-star review and then write a review about how much you love this podcast. So do that right away. Right? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. I got a little tangent right there. Let me, let me go back uh, great to tangent. it. I'm saying to the people who listen to this podcast, and there's a great number of people and growing and, and, and a rather diverse uh, group. You don't have to like Trump. You could think that these these uh, tweets aren't okay. No one can call them racist. No one. I don't care who you are. These are not racist tweets. Sorry. In a world where it matters, you have to say things as they are. You have to be honest about what's happening. Racism does exist, and this ain't it. A bad tweet, an unclean tweet, a kind of kind of low-end tweet that can exist and I don't even think the, as to your point April I don't think these are you know if, 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 and the political left overplays their hand because they immediately jump to racism they could have gone the route of saying you know uh, Mr. President Elijah Cummings District includes uh, the Inner Harbor and includes the St. John's uh, 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 whole medical system and everything else and, and they've got the second highest median income of a predominantly black congressional district in the country so you really don't have your facts, sir. We're used to that from you. Like, they could have responded in a bunch of ways. They don't. They respond to the most radical that ruins their position. Every single time. Every Five times a week. Yep. They respond DEFCON levels instead of just appropriate levels and with any rationality also, like you're saying. And now they're defending the idea that Baltimore is a beautiful place. Because when you go on vacation, you know what comes up first? <laughs> Baltimore. Baltimore. Yeah. They have something they used to have, like the highest HIV rate in the country. Did they? Yeah, probably because they're a dirty, rat-infested place. Oh, wow. I don't. I don't think that's the how. That's the science. <laughs> April. The the problem with Baltimore, like the problem with so many cities, the Ravens. <laughs> it's how it's run. It's how it's run. The the biggest mistake people make is making the assumption that Detroit failed or Baltimore failed because they're black cities. Bunch of crap. Ridiculous nonsense crap. They failed because there are policies put forth, yes, by the political left, that simply don't work. When you take a look at the money, there's been a question of how many billions of dollars have been put into Baltimore to make it better, and it's not better. In 1999, Representative Elijah Cummings was still the congressman. 20 years ago, talking about the drug problem and how, it, and he referred to Baltimore as drug infested, which means in 20 years, nothing's changed, including him. And that's the problem. People are voting based on identity politics. They're voting based on, oh, I got to vote for somebody with a D after their name. No, you don't. That's the issue. The issue is not skin color. The issue is gray matter. What is it that you're thinking about? What is it that you want? What's more important to you? A working, vibrant city 
Or, well, you know, I, I, I voted for my guy. You don't vote for your guy, you vote for the guy. San Francisco fails because the policies fail. You mean all of these bright minds, all of these tech gurus, and they still can't figure it out? And the answer is yes, because they're not using their mind, they're using emotion, and they think that do-goodery is the way you run a city. And it's not. And we've proven it time and time and time again, yet they don't learn. And that has zero, I wanna make sure I'm clear, zero to do with skin color. Because that's how that is kind of circulated around. It's just too damn ugly for words. It has to do with gray matter. Detroit is in the, in the midst of a rebirth. Detroit is trying hard. The guy who owns the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers, Dan Gilbert, is putting money into Detroit like it's his job. I was in Detroit for Wait, a, why is he putting money into Cleveland? Because he owns the Cleveland Cavaliers, but he, he, his, his home is, is the Detroit area. I think it's Dan Gilbert. Yeah, I think I got that right. Yeah, I, I do. Thank you. Um, Shinola Watch. Do you know Shinola? I want one so bad. It's. It, 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 are they manufactured in Detroit yes. or Metro Detroit? Like, um, or it, oh, that I can't answer. Okay. I don't know the answer yeah. to that one. Yeah. The they, they're is, very proud of the fact they're from Detroit. So I and would. so are the people. I was at a bar mitzvah in Detroit. And uh, the grandmother. The grandmother is wearing a Shinola watch. Like, that's a really good sign that people are totally invested in growing out the city and feeling something good about it. And good things happen when that happens. I would never assume that the people of Baltimore hate where they live. Listen, we're in Indianapolis. If President Trump tweeted that Indianapolis was a rodent-infested mess, I'd be the first guy on the microphone saying, who do you think you're talking to? You know nothing. Come check it out for yourself. Yeah, but we're not actually rodent-infested. True, true enough. Indianapolis has issues. All cities have issues. But I would never simply stand for that. And I wouldn't expect people in Baltimore to stand for it. So say that. But racist? Y- y- there is no argument. It wasn't racist. And the people who said it was lying to you. Lying to your face. Uh, and because they, they go to DEFCON 9000 and this is the place. It's, it's racist. It's sexist. It's homophobic. It's bigoted. Five days a week? Yeah. That's the absolute truth. I, I learned this week that, uh, and I'm sure we'll talk about this in the, the second segment, that there's environmental racism, there's healthcare racism. Oh, good Lord. I, well, now we find I, this week I, there's well, social yeah, media we racism. we did learn about environmental racism this wait, week. Wait, wait, wait. I thought it was environmental justice. No. No, there's environmental there's racism. Environmental racism. There's healthcare racism. What was the other uh, Elizabeth Warren hot take oh, uh, that Trump, Trump is... Uh, look it up for the next segment. Yeah, I'll look it up for the next environmental segment. Environmental racism? Yes. I'm going to need more old granddad. Old granddad 114, when you're just sick and tired. Of environmental of, racism? Of environmental racism. <laughs> Get yourself some old granddad. Old granddad, he was never a racist. He was just drunk. <laughs> old granddad 114, because honestly, the politics are insane. This is the, I so want that deal. We got to get me an old granddad deal. Oh, yeah. You're in charge. Somebody get this done. This is Eat, Drink, Smoke. Eat, Drink, Smoke. Tony Katz, April D. Gregory, Fingers, Malloy. So I, this was the debates. Right? I want to get into the debates. I do want to recap them. But I seem to have missed, and I covered everything, this environmental racism line from Elizabeth Warren. 
the senator from, from Massachusetts you were talking about. You found it? Yeah, I found it. You want to hear it? Yeah, yeah. Whenever, whenever you can. Okay, here we go. Here's Elizabeth Warren at the debates talking about environmental racism. To call out white supremacy for what it is, domestic terrorism, and it poses a threat to the United States of America. We live in a country now where the president is advancing environmental racism, economic racism, criminal justice racism, health care racism. The way we do better is to fight back and show something better. That's okay. it. Um, great. Now, you can go back to 2018 because I did a, a quick search. The Atlantic, which is a, a left-leaning site, Trump's EPA concludes environmental racism is real. A new report from the EPA finds that people of color are much more likely to live near polluters and breathe polluted air, even as the agency seeks to roll back regulations on pollution. Regu- a regulation does not mean it's better for all of us. Let's, I mean, that's just like a, a great way of trying to make something seem bad when we don't know what the regulation is. What if the regulation has to do with paperwork and has nothing to do with what goes into the environment? So let's not hear rolling back regulations and somehow think that it's the enemy. Usually it's the friend. The less paperwork you have to do, the more you can actually focus on your business, which is better for everybody. I could make the argument that people who are lower income live in places that probably have more factories, more processing and things going on because they can't afford to live in other areas. And you can probably do some level of statistical gathering that shows those people are a higher propensity of minorities who might live in those areas. That's different than saying, calling it racism and saying that there's a system at play to keep people down. That's what there is not. Well, because you know that I'm um, a very uh, crunchy type person and care about these type of things. Um, I noticed that you care so little about the old granddad 114 that you're drinking Stella Artois spritzers. Spritzer that's gluten free. Oh, you're the worst person ever. You tried. You tried. It doesn't work. You know it's full of gluten? Old granddad 114. (laughs) My granddad had gluten every day of his life, and that man was fantastic. He used it for deodorant. Don't you want to be like my granddad, smelling great and feeling good? Old granddad 114 from the makers of Jim Beam, the finest of all the bourbons. I want that ad so bad. Get me that sponsorship. Anyway, continue. Okay, so the opposite of living next to factories uh, would be living in the suburbs, which you would probably say are maybe more white people. I don't know. I think around here, I don't know. I don't know yes. how to say this, it's but like zoning. I mean, uh, property values are lower in industrial areas. No, I get that. But what I'm saying is, industrial areas aren't the only source of environmental pollution. Oh, I don't disagree with that. In the farms, that. you have you're spraying your chem- your chemicals on your crops, and a that gets in the air. That's environmental pollution. B, that uh, that drainage, that water, the runoff, that makes its way into the oceans. So, so, so the, there's still environmental pollution and environment. It's but white it's, or black. Y- your point is taken. I think you make make a solid point. The idea of calling environmental racism is to say that somehow there is a purposeful system in place to uh, keep people living next to certain places. Show me where that system is and I will help you set it on fire. I will help you burn it to the ground. But if there are places where people live and those are places where also there are factories that build things and do things and have things that go into the atmosphere, yes, that happens. You know, on the East Coast, they have a place like that. It's called New Jersey. (laughs) 
grew up in New Jersey. Uh, that they're called the Garden State. So we're is all just, racist against New Jersey. I don't like, know. Even Good. the white people look, and, and look, the Jews and everybody. I'm a Michigan boy. Right. I love Detroit. I didn't grow up in Detroit. I don't claim to be from Detroit, but I've spent many a day in Detroit. Watching the Lions lose? That's true. Um, <laughs> Trenton, New Jersey makes Detroit look like a, a tropical paradise. Are you serious? Tell me, Trenton or Newark? Trenton's the west side. It, maybe and, it was and Trenton's not good. Maybe it was Newark. Newark is the east side. I took the an Amtrak from it's, it's Newark. Newark. Good Lord. Good night. I, I was praying that that train would not derail where I was going down in, in Newark, New I Jersey. I feel that way about trains everywhere, by the way. Uh, well, Please yeah. don't derail. <laughs> but but especially in Newark. It, I, I, Detroit has always been the butt of America's jokes. Right. And Newark, Newark is the butt of New York Ugh. Is is what it is. Uh, you know who was the mayor of Newark? Cory Booker. He, he did a great job. They, I, lo- they loved not seeing him in Newark because he was never there. On he that was too train, busy running for any other office. On that train, when I was looking out the window, I thought to myself, "Whoever's running this joint should be president of the United States." <laughs> <laughs> but so the I, this whole thing of everything racism, this has been um, pushed by uh, Mayor Pete Buttigieg, the mayor of South Bend, Indiana, uh, that there is systemic racism in, in all things. Show us the system. We're with you. I don't speak for you guys, right? I don't speak for April. I don't speak for fingers. Show us the system. We'll, we'll tear it down You're ourselves. not the white person spokesman? I'm saying that I don't speak for the two of you. Alright? I'm saying that if you show us a system, we'll take it down. That people live in areas and by the way, white people live in those areas too. But I, well, you wouldn't get me to be surprised if you had more people or minorities living in areas and they didn't have the income. There are questions that go but along with that. there's pollution coming from all the pollution. areas. There is, and, and we should also be clear, we've done such a good job of cleaning up pollution in the U.S. We've done such a good job in, in, in limiting, in changing, in reducing emissions. We don't need Kyoto, the Kyoto Protocols. We don't need the Paris Climate Accords. We don't need to be in anything that subjugates ourselves to the will of Europe or anyplace else. We need to be smart people. And for the political right, they like totally freak out about environment. They, it's like they can't just have a conversation without thinking somehow you're trying to control them. Right. I'm talking about being a conservationist. I would never, ever use the word environmentalist because those people are crazy. Those people are certifiable. Well, and we haven't even discussed healthcare racism that she brought up. I, how is that possible under know, Obamacare? You would think that all of that would have been taken care of. Yeah, I mean, but I thought Obamacare fixed everything. That and they're goes, all running against Obamacare. That goes to the debates. Lo and behold, Obamacare wasn't enough. You know, let's get into it. Hold on, hold on a second. First, we're smoking. Oh, my God, this is And fabulous. we are smoking the Davidoff Bellicose B. Now, you may go look for this. This is a 5 by 38. So a 38 refers to the ring gauge, how thick it is around. tee it always makes fingers laugh. I did laugh. that for you last week since you weren't here. Oh, thank you. Always makes fingers laugh. This is five inches long. Tee. Yeah, it took him a while on, <laughs> on that one. Mainly because he was thinking, wow, it's pretty big. Yeah. So it is um, an Ecuadorian wrapper with a mix of Dominican filler. This, When you look at this cigar, you think it, it's, it's got that more pale brown to it. This is a dainty, thin Smoke. A Lancero is considered sometimes a dainty cigar, but they really get into the about seven inch range. I love a Lancero because 
flavor comes from the wrapper, and the Lancero gives you that. So I, I'm a big guy. I can totally I hold a Lancero, and I'm not. I don't somehow feel that my manhood is threatened. A thicker cigar does not necessarily mean a better cigar at all. Uh, this is an absolutely miraculous blend here, of of cigars. This cigar is only found right now in blends. We believe they are the only place in the country to have the bellicose B, uh, or the bellicoso. Uh, so that also refers to the shape. It's not a pyramid shape, but it does come up to a point on the cap. So the end that you light is the foot. That's the place that you light. And sometimes you'll still pe- pe- people kind of like warm it up before they light it. That's called toasting the foot. It's basically, it's priming the pump. It's getting everything ready. You don't want to burn the tobacco. You don't want it to, to char. You want it to be warm, and so when it lights, it, it burns properly throughout. So that's what that process is, is all about. You want to toast the foot. Um, and this is a cigar that sometimes with a Bellicosa, you might actually do a, a V-cut uh, with it. This was a straight cut for us because of the being 38. It's a very slight uh, ring gauge. Um, this is a full mile. You can wake up to this cigar. You can go to bed to this cigar. Ooh. The cigar is not cheap. And sometimes people freak out, size versus cost. This cigar will run you somewhere between 22 and 27 a stick. Um, if you're somebody who likes to try things, this goes on your list. This goes on your list because it's a Dominican, which you think of as peppery, but the wrapper is Ecuadorian that comes from Connecticut seed. So Connecticut shade uh, is a great wrapper. We're talking about, yes, Connecticut, the U.S., um, it could, Connecticut Broadleaf make, is, is great as, as a wrapper. So it comes from Connecticut seed, and it's grown in Ecuador. It is the wonderful complement to what will be the standard, uh, as we would call it, peppery that comes from Dominican uh, cigars. This is wonderful. Now, one of the things that the blend guys told us here is that, you know, sometimes we discuss how a cigar is different first third, second third, final third. I've actually been reading some reviews where people do it in quarters. They do four of them. I, uh, people will do what they want. I think they're wrong. Do it in thirds. Life is easier. Um, and Richard, who is the real, I don't even know what the term would be for a cigar sommelier. Like, Richard, you know, is, is, is the guy, at least here in Indianapolis, who knows all things. Cigar Yoda? Uh, yes. Well done. Well Thank played. Uh, this is going to have a singular note or series of notes throughout. It doesn't actually change. It was built for that purpose. Uh, this is this is a, a sweet and spicy. Um, it's not overly spicy, though. I'm not blown away by any level of pepper. I'm just right now getting uh, into the midway of the first third. I'm only now starting to feel the pepper. It was actually an extremely creamy cigar going in and going down. Mm-hmm. This is wonderfully kind. If a cigar could be uh, forgiving... This would be it. If you go back to our episode where we reviewed the Royal Salomonis, which is a pretty big stick. It's a seven-inch cigar. I think it's a, a 52 ring gauge. It's $100 a cigar, but it's also from Davidoff. If it had a mini, I'm not saying that they're anywhere close in terms of the composition. I'm talking about in terms of the kindness and how easy this is happening. Where you're not having to think about it. It's just, it's just flowing. This is it. Holy cow! I, I, this is fantastic. Uh, you know, I, we we talked previously about how the the Connecticut wrapper could turn some people off because of the color, right? Uh, the the cigar that we had at your house a few weeks ago that was a Connecticut wrapper, wasn't uh, yes, it? Yes, it was. It was an Arturo Fuente, and I can't remember. 
I can't remember what you it was. You really need to get past the color of a cigar. I mean, I, I know how that it very can turn pale some brown. People. Yeah, I know that can turn some people off. But that one was a fantastic cigar. This one was. This is even better. Yeah. So, and it's true. You know, listen, I'm I'm a sucker for a good band. A cigar band will get me to buy the cigar. I admit it. I'll buy into the marketing. What's the story there? You know, if a cigar band is ugly, I'm sorry, I'm not interested. You know what cigar I don't You're smoke? judging the book by its cover. I totally am. I totally am. The CAO Brazil. The Bra- I think it's the Brasilia. I don't smoke it. Of whatever the, the, the color scheme, which is the flag, just totally turns me off. Totally turns me off. That's the dumbest thing in the world. I'm wrong. I, but it still does. I have a cigar question for you, Tony, because this came up uh, with a group of people that I was hanging out with a couple of weeks ago. Uh, why do you not want to light a cigar with just a regular Bic lighter? Because of the butane. You don't want that flavoring the cigar. So Will um, it really affect the cigar that much? <sighs> Look, in a pinch, you do what you got to do. <laughs> Look at her. Look at her. <laughs> April Goomba. I tell you, listen. Listen, that's all we had. Do you know how much gluten is in a Bic cigar? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it can. It really can. Um, I think that, though, it, that's, it, there's a touch of pretentiousness in that. Uh, I think a torch is better because it's a more even light, right? You can actually really focus where the heat goes. So a torch is its just a different kind of lighter that has a more intensity to it. Did I say big cigar? Yeah, you did. Oh, uh, damn it. Totally. I know. You did. I was like, but we, we let that pass because we, we love. Um, cedar is a, is a great way to do it. I've seen so people do that. Yeah. Light a ce- you can get cedar sticks. They're just little strips. Cedar has toxins in it. Oh, would you stop no. with your face? Worst and you light that and you light it, right? So that's supposed to be a more pure way to do it. Um, if you let the match burn for a second and get any of that sulfur part gone, I think you can do that. I think you do that fine and and, and easy. I, I happen to, to utilize uh, a, a match quite a bit. So I, I, I wouldn't, as a uh, as a standard, use a Bic. I have, of course, in a pinch. Right? Better but than nothing. nothing. But it, yeah, it's better than nothing. But I would rather use matches. And if you're going to be somebody who's trying these things, uh, invest in a torch. You do not have to invest much. I have bought $50 lighters before that I've thrown away. And I have a lighter in my humidor right now. It's orange. It was nine bucks. It still works. And it's refillable. So you buy a butane, right? Comes in a canister. And buy something that's refillable and, and, and refill it every now and again. And you'll be totally, absolutely and totally fine. Totally fine. Uh, this cigar is just just absolutely terrific. Totally it is the Belcaster B. But this isn't a golf course cigar. Special B, I should say. No, this is not a golf course cigar. Way too dainty to be a golf course cigar. How do you feel, April? I like it. I like it a lot. I think it did. I think, like you said, it did change a little bit from when we started to now. Um, what do you think has changed? It's a little bit more you didn't spicy get the, or whatever. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah you, I think you said that yeah. at the beginning you didn't get the pepper and you're no, getting a little bit of the pepper now, right? right. That is true. That is true. We'll but I see imagine where you the are. rest of the way will. I like it. We'll see where you go with the final third. Fanimation, our proud, wonderful, terrific sponsor. You see, you thought it was old granddad. That should be. Um, uh, but actually, I, I just need to. I just need to be repping them. That's all there is to it. That's all there is to it. But Fanimation, thrilled to have them as part of the podcast. Ceiling fans for your home, indoor or outdoor. The finest craftsmanship, customizable any way you want it. They're ceiling fans. And a ceiling fan is, listen, it's an art project in your house. Do you want it to look like crap or do you want it to look like you? 
Do you want it to represent what it is you want your house to look like? If you come to Blend Bar Cigar in Indianapolis, Indiana, or any place, there's a Blend Bar Cigar. Nashville, Houston, Pittsburgh. The ceiling fans here that move the air and keep everybody comfortable, those are Fanimation fans. You have an outdoor space, you want to have LED lighting and, and uh, remote control, fully customizable, that's Fanimation. Fanimation.com. Incredible ceiling fans for your home, for your life. Fanimation.com is where you go. Get that ceiling fan. Get it done today. Now let's talk debate. Because the whole, this whole environmental racism thing, this whole, uh, what, what is uh, healthcare racism? Healthcare racism, environmental racism, and uh, there's a trifecta. What was the other one? Uh, oh, I think I have it right here. Wait, do I have it right here? Yeah, I do. And I think we can couple uh, social media racism. Criminal, racism, criminal justice racism, economic racism, environmental racism, healthcare racism. Now, let me, let me have one moment of give here. Criminal justice racism. If there's a different penalty for crack than there is for powder cocaine, that ain't right. Right. Okay? That's never been right. White people do powder cocaine. Black people do crack. Right? That's the argument. That's not a dumb argument. Don't disrespect people by saying that everything they say is nonsense. You have to listen to what they say and then base it on the facts. And then you can say, oh, that's nonsense. It's not nonsense if there is something written that says one type of drug is different than another type of drug. And it could be based on where people come from. Now, I, I, would, I would also argue that I, there are at least more and more people talking about it. I'm no expert on the laws, so I don't know what laws have changed in that regard. That kind of thing is wrong. Why can't we just say so? That's so easy to do. But you don't have to scream criminal justice racism. You scream, that's wrong, let's fix that. It doesn't have to be this violent fight of wokeness. <laughs> because that's what she's doing. You've seen this. You worked on campaigns, April. You huh? see people who are, you know, hey, how can I pander to this group by screaming about something that isn't actually factual or isn't actually totally complete? Criminal justice racism, no. If there is a law that clearly violates what we consider to be the standard, we, it doesn't apply to people equally. It's why I don't believe in hate crimes legislation. It's this exact purpose. And that was a big subject here and it's in other places. If, if, if I rob you, April, it should not be somehow more of a crime or less of a crime if I rob somebody who's gay. That shouldn't, it shouldn't be. A crime is a crime. What's in my head? What does it matter? I'm stealing your stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm hurting you. I'm doing whatever. It's not more of a crime because, because they're Jewish. And man, I, I oppose to hate crimes legislation here in Indiana. Oh, people, they couldn't believe it. Jewish groups angry with me for not supporting uh, this kind of stuff. I'm not a flower. I've got the Constitution. I'm protected by the law. If someone breaks my stuff, they, have, they, they committed a crime. It's not more of a crime because I'm Jewish. It can't be more of a crime because I'm Jewish. It can't be more of a crime because you're black or because you're gay or anything else. And it, that's the wokeness that I'm talking about. Everybody wants some particular group to be aggrieved and upset and bothered and I think that's what Warren is pushing and here. then you have the red tofu line of the night that will go right into uh, it feeds into 
the rabid leftist base of the Democratic Party. When Did they, you just call it the red tofu Yeah, we line? can't say red meat, so it's red tofu. Oh, that's... Are you the first person to say that? I think so. Oh, I'm stealing that. Oh, red tofu tosser. It's a, yeah, it's a red tofu line. I saw them open up for Duran Duran in 1986. <laughs> that is a good line. But, but you know, Keep dar- that. You, you know, Fingers will like it's a credit. You know darn well that they come up with three or four lines before they go into the debate saying, okay, we, you got to say this because you'll get the huge applause line and maybe this clip will be uh, all over the internet the next day. Because, I mean, let's face it, most Americans did not watch this debate. And the only thing that... Uh, yeah, the ratings were, were low. Yeah, but... And, and so much of a candidate's push, the, the boost that they get out of a debate is based on media coverage. And if you have... A few good lines in the debate, you know, you craft those lines ahead of time. Yeah, so you're hoping, yeah, the little sound bites that you're hoping to come up with that will not only uh, be great for fundraising the next day, but also will uh, push the narrative, you know, through the mainstream media that hey, this person has something to say, and uh, the, their campaign got a boost last night based on that the the candidate's performance in the debate. Speaking of, did you read? I mean, we played it, but did everyone hear the full quote? Let me let me read this again. This is Elizabeth Warren during the debate. We need to call out white supremacy for what it is, domestic terrorism. Well, I guess if there's a group of people attacking another group of people, it could fall into a line of domestic terrorism. I don't think that's the craziest thing in the world. I think we'd have to ask ourselves what's specifically happening. We live in a country where the president is advancing environmental racism, economic racism, criminal justice racism, healthcare racism. She doesn't prove, she doesn't go into how. Not a single moment into how. By doing this, by doing that, but she doesn't say it. And she answers, she continues with, the way we do better is to fight back and show something better. It's a debate. You are one of the front runners, and I believe the front runner for president. I believe Elizabeth Warren, as of this moment, is the front runner amongst the Democrats. Why not show us something better? What's your plan? How do we fix it? How do we change it? Why can't you say these specific laws are unacceptable and we have to fix them immediately? And so I put forth, because I'm a senator, legislation to do this, this, and this. If you break down what it is she said, and I didn't see this. I somehow missed this right here. I don't know what I was doing. Don Lemon asked the question. I might have just blanked out. <laughs> you know, totally blacked out. Oh, God, this guy. Um, and I've met him before. Totally lovely. Totally lovely. But this Don Lemon is... So CNN Don Lemon is this is terrible, yeah, absolutely horrible. Why didn't she say? And here's what I'm doing about it. And here's the legislation. I ask every member of the Senate and the House on this panel, on this stage, to help me make because get this done. so much of winning the nomination in the Democratic Party in 2020 will be showing how woke you are, and that was a wokeity woke woke quote. But I reject the whole notion. That to me, the whole notion that there is some huge white supremacist movement in the United States of, the, uh, of America. To me, this is Russian collusion. Uh, it's the same garbage take that will get the base wound up. I'm not saying there aren't white supremacists in the United States. Of course there are. But they're making this out to be like there's this huge movement that has taken over the Republican Party, these white supremacists. And it's complete bunk. It is. It is. Of course it is. But we know this. And, but So this wasn't the only line. I mean, if we take a look at the entirety of the debate, um, the question that I have been tr- trying to answer is who, who did the debate appeal to? 
So this is a, a, a topic that has been asked of me repeatedly. Uh, it's a conversation that I, I, I'm trying my best to kind of, of, of answer here, and I have a theory. And my theory is that there are no moderates in the Democratic Party. Now, I've had people push back on this and say, Tony, there are. They're just afraid to speak out because the progressive wing is so volatile that if they say the wrong thing, they'll be told they're not woke enough and they're going to get destroyed. And we've seen this in, in a series of, of, of places. What did, what did uh, Mario Lopez say, the guy from Extra Saved by the Bell? He's talking about transgender kids. And he's saying to, he's, for whatever reason, he did an interview with Candace Owens. I just, it seemed odd. Like, like why would he go on Candace's show? I'm right. glad he did. That, don't get me wrong. Just, wow, what, a, what an interesting get. And he's like, you know, you, three years old, you're letting them make this decision? There could be ramifications. I'm paraphrasing what Mario Lopez said. Well, the political left in the Twitterverse went crazy, and he apologized for being insensitive and ignorant. That's not ignorant. Adults have a hard time if this is their issue. Kids don't get to make this call. Kids can't decide this. They're kids. My three-year-old wanted to eat candy all day, and well, I stopped and, and my that, three-year-old from eating candy. And one of the things he pointed out was that three-year-olds don't even know what sexuality is. Right. There is a doctor who says that uh, kids know their gender at three or four. They know what, what the, uh, parts they have. point I'm making is, is that if we're giving three-year-olds and four-year-olds, or call it 13-year-olds and 14-year-olds, agency over themselves, which is to say they can make whatever decisions they want, where does that end? This is a really horrifying thought. If children are allowed agency, two things happen. First, the child can make other decisions, because if the child has agency over their gender, doesn't have the ch child have agency over their health care decisions? They can choose their own medical care, and if they can choose their own medical care, they can choose other things, like who they choose to have relationships with. And can't they have relationships with people who are over 18 years old? Because after all, they're in charge of their bodies, they're in charge of their own medical, they're in charge of their, they're, they're, they, have agency, they have agency over their medical, they have agency over their gender, can't they make this decision as well? This is a horrifying down the road, and this is not a slippery slope. The One begets the other. Well, and the other part of it is, is that if children have agency, right? If they have dominion over themselves, then what is the role of the parent? And I am absolutely a believer that part of these conversations is to limit the role of the parent. That the parent is, the parent is nothing more than someone to uh, pay for the mortgage and keep the roof over the house and feed them. And, and that's it. It takes a and village, Tony. The hell it does. <laughs> the hell it does. But it go this goes into that theory. And if it, you ask yourself, if you're a parent, who, who's in charge of your kids? Government is not in charge of my kids. Uh, these village people, are, the village people, <laughs> people and these village people. I saw the village people open for the village people back in. Are, are not in charge of my kids. I'm not going to have it for a second. It's madness. So that's where a lot of these, these conversations go. You know, it, it gets into the ugly place. But um, we, we talk about Mario Lopez. He wasn't woke enough, so he got destroyed. And so maybe there are indeed, and i got to rethink this, Democrats out there who want to speak, who want to say something, who want to do something, and uh, they're, they're, afraid, they're just afraid to do it. There are two Democratic parties in my mind. There's a Democratic party right now that's in Washington, D.C. that is being run by the progressive wing of the Democratic party. And then there are moderate Democrats, Tony, that are in the electorate who are really struggling right now 
Well, they'll watching. focus on the moderate Democrats after the primary. But what's going on? They're like, I, oh. I've talked to some. Well, th- th- that, well, that's exactly right. But that's that's I've talked to moderate Democrats who who are seeing what's going on. They like uh, Tulsi Gabbard. Uh, they all like Tulsi Gabbard. Well, for a number of reasons, dude. But they're like, okay, I can maybe vote for her. All the other shenanigans that are going on, okay. uh, how, the, how the party is getting further, dragged further and further to the left, there are a lot of moderate voters in the Democratic Party. They're like, I, d- I can't do this. So to that point specifically, because before I know, because I know where you're going, to that point, somebody pointed out, maybe it was Marianne Williamson, I can't remember, they said We're back. She, she did have some voice of reason. She said, do you guys want to win the argument or do you want to win the election? Somebody pointed out, you're, you're, these don't make sense. What you're doing doesn't make sense. Nobody's going to vote for this. Marianne Williamson pointed out, Tim Ryan pointed out, Tim Ryan is the representative from Ohio, who said to Bernie Sanders, you want to tell union workers that the insurance they have fought for their entire lives, they don't have anymore. That's a crazy idea. Tim Ryan was right, by the way. Tim Ryan was doing Midwest talk right there, Midwest think, and rightfully so. But this brings about my thesis. And let me start by saying... That Tulsi Gabbard may have well won that second debate because she, listen, look is everything. Imaging matters. Mm-hmm. And in a world of the, the guy in the blue suit and women in the dark pantsuit, yes, Kirsten Gillibrand, the center from New York, comes out in those dresses. She wears the blue dresses and the pink dresses. Tulsi Gabbard comes out in a sparkling white pantsuit with a bit of a plunge top, and she is almost shiny on her chest. She it, she looked ju- she looked pure Hawaii. She embodied the whole idea of calm and the whole idea of luxury and the whole idea of style and 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 finish. It was uh, how remarkable she looked compared to the rest of that field, and how you know in the world of politics, how remarkable she looks. Absolutely a winner just from the look of it. And took it to Kamala Harris, by the way. Oh. Yes, she did, because Kamala Harris is a bad person. But Tulsi Gabbard is a socialist, and Tulsi Gabbard is an Assad apologist, and there is no moderate position that Tulsi Gabbard has. Stop, I had forgotten about that. That we might agree that we don't want endless war, because we don't. That's a solid place to be. That ain't enough. And this, to your point of the primaries, let me disagree with both of you. This is where my theory is. I make the argument that if you have a progressive nominee, the moderate Democrat will vote for them in a general. But if you have a moderate nominee, the progressives will not vote for them. They will burn it to the ground. They may hate Trump more than anything in the world, but they already lived through Bernie getting screwed in 2016. They won't abide this establishment, and they will stick it to them and burn it to the ground. Prove me wrong. The only thing I will say where I disagree with you on that is you may have, if you're in the Midwest and you are a moderate Democrat and you see what is being said on stage at a Democratic debate and that uh, you've got a far left candidate who gets the nomination, you may stay home. You're not going to vote for Trump. But you may not be motivated to go to the polls because you look around and you've got, wow, geez, as, as long as the economy doesn't crap the bed, okay. you know, as long as there isn't something that happens, you know, we're, we're talking in August of, you know, 2019 right now. Right. 
you know, if, if things are like they are right now and you've got a, a far left candidate and you're a moderate Democrat, you may not be motivated to go to the polls. And I would respond by saying that's a 50-50 argument and really a 75-25 argument because I think they still do show up to the polls. If the candidate is a moderate, the progressive doesn't show. Oh, I, I agree with you there. Take. Especially if they think that the DNC stacked the deck against uh, yeah, whoever well, so it is. Yeah. This time around, you're noticing that Bernie is not as heavily supported as he was last time. And we know why. We know why, because in 2016, he was the only option for this. Now you got got 100. Right. You don't need Bernie when you can have Elizabeth Warren. Right, but those same people that were feeling the burn and they were rabid Bernie supporters are not yet amped up for somebody else. Well, let's face it, too. But they, they got burned, and they're, I think they're, they're um, tired of the process, and they're burned out. Because a lot of the people that supported Bernie were not traditionally political, per se. Right? So now they... You don't they, think they were traditionally political? Um, you think about the the twenty something year olds and the young thirty something year olds that were just uh, the freeloader okay, types. So they were new political the freeloaders. <laughs> the new, they funny. were new. Political. That was really funny. I didn't mean to step on the line. I'm sorry. <laughs> the freeloader so wing of the Democratic, Party. which is you know, <laughs> not wrong. Um, those are usually just the ones in Congress. So I think those <laughs> probably without Bernie, I, I, I think they kind of go away a little bit. They don't. I, I don't think they cling on it because Bernie's became popular and that's why he kept getting more and more people going right but he was the only game in town now you have elizabeth warren bill de blasio is the mayor of new york and he came out and said we're gonna tax the hell out of the wealthy we're gonna tax he's not being shy he is he is saying that we have to embrace the idea that people who have money are evil have you been in new york lately on the day of this pot we were recording this podcast i just flew back from new york i spent Two and a half days uh, doing, doing some TV and doing some meetings and things like that. The amount of money in New York, the amount of construction going on, yeah, try and afford anything in the city. And he's going to tax the wealthy right into the moment they all move to Charlotte, North Carolina, all those bankers and all those Wall Street guys because you can do everything online. Yeah, well, here's, here's the other thing, too, about Bernie Sanders and the reason why he doesn't have as much support. A, you're right, his... His platform has been hijacked by several younger faces. Yes, but the other thing younger too, Elizabeth Warren is not younger. Uh, well, compared to Bernie, he is but oh, like what three years? Eh, three years eh. makes a difference. But here's the other thing: when you bill yourself as a revolutionary, and you let CNN bend you over, and you let the DNC bend you over, you're not a revolutionary anymore. You're, 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 By the way, how can I be not okay with butthurt but be okay with Ben Jover? <laughs> right. Like, am what's I, wrong with me? Right. Am I am I wrong? Well, CNN bent him over. The DNC bent him over. He should so you're have saying all his scores are butthurt. At, yeah, he should have at the Democratic National Convention. He should have set that place on fire, and he didn't. No, he, he should have ball, and he he sat there while Hillary Clinton is giving this speech, and the entire audience is on their feet cheering for Bernie. And he's sitting there, and the only thing I can that I can think he that may have game, given him solace as that was happening, watching Hillary Clinton get this nomination was, I changed this party. I, I, ma- I made the party socialist. That's what I did. Like, maybe that gave him some solace. Unfortunately, it created all the enemies. And yes, there's more than Elizabeth Warren. I argue that there are no moderate Democrats. John Delaney is the former representative from, from Maryland. He is trying to make sense on ideas like health care. And, but yet he still wants universal health care. 
If you want government-run health care, you are not moderate in my view. That is a radically left position. How do I know? Obamacare a decade ago, just a decade ago, was the most radically left thing you can think of. And now we're calling it somehow a moderate position. Oh it's not a moderate I can't position. It's been a decade. It's been a decade. That's how fast things things move. It's been it's been a decade. Now, by the way, where are we on this cigar? This is the Bell Cosmo. I'm almost special B. I'm, I'm almost, almost done. Like, I'm I want another done one. And I'm sad. Oh, me too. Yeah, that's my only. That's my, that's my only complaint about this. There's definite cream yeah. in here. The spice, I, admittedly, has built up a bit, um, but not overpowering just there you notice it but as as remarkably easy smooth i don't often say you know i'm not a breakfast cigar guy i've said that before oh you can do this you could do this in the early morning or in the mid morning and be very very happy this could be a nice after dinner cigar uh, a big meal uh dinner cigar as well, this and, is, and, you, and it won't take a lot of time to smoke it. Now you're you're a little bit because you do most of the talking on the show. We've talked about this in the past, where you go through the cigar a little bit slower than we do. I'm almost, you know, I'm sixty five percent in on this. And right. when did we light this? Twenty five minutes ago, half hour yeah. ago. I mean, <laughs> it it is it is a uh, a quicker smoke than most because because of its size. But it's not like it's burning hot. It's not burning quick. It is burning even. I'm looking at all of us. This is just terrific. You're only going to get this at Blend, by the way. Blend of Bar Cigar, Indianapolis, no, Indiana. No issues about keeping it lit? No, none. Oh, none. None. Nashville, Houston, and Pittsburgh, by the way. But there are other places. Your, your local tobacconist might have some Davidoff products. I think they, people might think of it as an older name. Try some of the new stuff. The Anniversario, uh, the, the Escurio that we've reviewed. There's a lot of great cigars there. Uh, let's hit some eats here. Unfortunately, nothing, no food to review. But came across this story, which you can find on the Eat, Drink, Smoke Facebook page. Facebook.com slash Eat, Drink, Smoke. Olive Garden. I cannot tell you the last time I was in an Olive Garden. It's been 20 years. I remember soup salad breadsticks. It's the only thing I remember. It's the only thing I ever ate at an Olive Garden. Have you ever had, like, eaten in an Olive Garden? Um, like, I was just there a month ago cause, uh, for my brother's birthday. That's where he wanted to go. Really? Yeah. Was it good? This is the stuff I have to deal with. <laughs> Chain restaurants. <laughs> See, chain yeah. restaurant. The patriarchy is real, right? Have you? When's the last time you were at an Olive Garden? About a month ago. My kids love Olive Garden, and I like Olive Garden too because he likes I, chain restaurants. Well, also. it's not that. It's I know what I'm getting when I'm going to an Olive Garden. Just like when I go to Taco Bell, I know I'm not getting Mexican food. I'm getting Taco Bell. When I'm going into Olive Garden, I know I'm getting Olive Garden. I'm not getting well, authentic. Just, why don't is you it go good? get authentic Italian and I authentic think it's Mexican? Fine. Yeah, I like their chicken parm with the breadsticks and the salad. Yeah, it's fine. It's he fine. Lives in the suburbs. Oh, yeah, I'm just okay. saying. Yeah, you, you, she's keeping it real in the city. Tony. Yeah, yeah. Sure. <laughs> With my environmental racism that you guys are like forcing upon me because I live in the city. But if you go knowing you're not getting, oh, this is fine Italian cuisine. No, I'm getting Olive Garden, and I'm fine with that. Okay, and so, you find it to be a good price. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. So they now do a thing, uh, an offer or a limited time. Uh, oh no, they're extending it now. It's year round. Five dollar take home meals. If you order an entree. While you're there, you can take home a meal for five bucks. You can take up to five of them home for five dollars each. Nice. So you can take home five meals. I okay. So fettuccine Alfredo, five cheese ziti, which is almost the same thing. Uh, 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 spaghetti with meat sauce. That's three of the, three of the meals. Maybe it's the only three you can get. Three of those meals, five bucks. 
Is this a good deal? This is not a deal. Why is it not a deal? Because it sounds for, like a for deal. For years, they've been, for years, they have been doing buy one, take one. You buy a meal, you take one home for free. You buy your fettuccine. Wait, what? Yes. Fettuccine, everything you just named. If you bought it there, you could take one home. Didn't even have to be the same thing. Even the five cheese ziti al forno? Yeah, even that. <laughs> for free. So it, you're so literally getting two meals for one. And now they're charging you $5 for that free meal. I have never heard that in my life. It's been like that for years. How do you know that if you don't go to Olive Garden? Yeah, how because do you know every year at my brother's Garden? birthday, that's where he wants to go. I don't, I don't know. I just enter. I just do it. How old so is your I brother? go once a year. He's thirty-five. Uh, listen, the, people must like them because they go. I just don't. All right. But I have a serious issue with going out for Italian food because I'm taking a look. Spaghetti and meatballs with meat sauce, not meatballs. Meat sauce, five bucks. Do you know how much spaghetti and meat sauce I can make at home for $5? I can feed everybody who listens to this podcast. I can feed for five bucks. But, but, no, but you cannot. I can a too. A pound of hamburger costs. You make $35 pies. Time out right now. One pound of, if not, even if my you do point not is organic. You can make a lot of food. Don't take it so literal. That's my point. <laughs> You're right. I cannot. There are too many people who listen to the podcast. Some of you are going to have to share. Or we'll go full Lord of the Rings, and Lord of the Flies, I mean. You have to put heads on pikes with sticks chanting around in your underwear. Does Olive Garden do that? Well, they should. Red Lobster does. <laughs> and I've never been to a Red Lobster either. Oh, the Cheddar Bay Biscuits alone. All I hear. It's all I hear. I mean, so... Have so, you ever had a Cheddar Bay Biscuit? Oh, of course. So, Are they good? So here's the thing about They're Indianapolis. So here's the thing about <laughs> Indianapolis. Um, two decades ago, uh, there were not... Just like just like any any city, whatever. There were not your mom and pop, not many in in the city, right? Right. So it was all chain restaurants, and Indianapolis was like the chain restaurant capital of the world. If you were a chain restaurant and you came here and you could succeed, you could succeed anywhere. Like that was just the fact of Indianapolis, Mm -hmm. and it was like the toughest market for chain restaurants. So they were everywhere. So yes, I've had your Cheddar Bay Biscuit. And my, my thing is just I've had so many chain restaurants because as a kid, we dined out all the time. And it was at chain restaurants. And now that I'm in the city... So and a we lot have, of chilies. Yes. Right. Chi-Chi's. Applebee's. Applebee's. But now that we have so many good... I mean, Indianapolis has an amazing food scene. Amazing. This is two different discussions. I mean, uh, listen, if, if you are on the road, say you're driving to Florida from indiana and you stop off in georgia you know you're you're spending the night and there's an olive garden across the street that's that's great you go you you get your food you bring it back maybe you bring back five dollar thing uh you know for the microwave later or breakfast in the morning that's great you know what you're getting into when you get into an uh, go to an olive garden that's why people do chains right they know what they're getting they don't have to think about it yeah but for just a little bit more money or not much money at all you can have like a good listen if the three of us we're going to leave here and go to a restaurant to grab dinner. I wouldn't say let's go to Olive Garden. I get that. I know what you're saying. You'd say let's go to Chili's. It's right across the street. No, I wouldn't say no, that. No, I know you wouldn't. You wouldn't. And by the way, when I'm on the road driving to, to Georgia or driving to Florida, Chick-fil-A. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. If you're in Georgia, you have to go to Chick-fil-A and get a Coke. Okay. I can get a Coke anywhere. Why do I have to go to Georgia and get a Coke? It's you can not, get Chick-fil-A anywhere. It's not better. That's all. Yeah, I'm just saying I don't stop at Olive Garden. Cracker yeah. Barrel. Okay, then why that. is Cracker Barrel about better than Olive Garden? Because it's Cracker Barrel has a store. And you can pick ch- up a nice tchotchke a, on the way but out. But it's a chain. I'll go and I love Cracker Barrel. But you know when you're going Waffle to... Waffle House? Yes, I'll go to Waffle House. I haven't been there in years. 
I've been to a Waffle House. But there's a, there's these weird like chains that are like only in the south. Like I think Bojangles. Have you ever been yeah. to Bojangles? Mm-hmm. Isn't that isn't that the, that's a chicken place, right? I yeah. think so. Yeah, it's right. in Georgia for sure. I thought it was owned by the same people who do Popeyes. I don't think it is though. Popeyes is the is the Louisiana stuff, and we we reviewed the Popeyes chicken. Right. We compared it to the KFC chicken, which we're gonna have to redo one of these days. Just Go so check we can out have fried chicken. Right, just I'm so still waiting chicken. for Tony Katz popcorn. I've been oh, hearing yeah. so much about. We have about. so much to get to, but we've all been in so many different places. You've been away. April's been away. We're all back. Everything looks good. We will get into some of these episodes. The old granddad 114. Let me tell you, <laughs> this is twenty six dollars, thirty dollars a bottle. Totally worth it. I can't. I can't say enough. Has to be in your liquor cabinet. Think about this. I, I there are some places where a bottle of Jack Daniels is twenty three, twenty four dollars a bottle. Yeah, this is this is absolutely worth it. Totally worth it, and at a price where if you're somebody who does like mixing of stuff, you you don't feel bad about it, right? If you've got a seventy dollar bottle of bourbon and you're mixing it with something, oh, you should be shot. Shame, true shame. But I wouldn't mix this with anything. I'll tell you right now, this, this is, is what, terrific. Uh, I spent a lot of time with my brother-in-law in the last couple of weeks, and this is what we do: we'll get one bottle of really good stuff that we could sip. But then when you're on a mission. You get like an Evan Williams and you mix it with um, whatever mixer you like. You get the cheap right. stuff for a mixer. But if you mix a, a, a good bourbon with like a Coke, what is wrong with you? This is the best low-cost bourbon we have reviewed since the Long Branch from Wild Turkey, which is Matthew McConaughey's, which was sweeter. The Long Branch was sweeter. All right, all right. Other all right. than this. There you go. Wait, that was, that was like a year ago. We haven't done anything... Since that, then, that's uh, that that is of of low price point, and what I think is remarkable in terms of of quality, noticeable in terms of quality. We've done a lot of interesting things over the last year. We need to do a year in review. Yeah. We need to start listing all the things we've done so people can see them and our, and our notes to it and everything else. We gotta we gotta do that. Oh, this is going. This is going into the liquor cabinet. The old granddad one fourteen is fantastic. The cigar, the Davidoff. Uh, the special bee, the Bellicoso. Um should be in the humidor. Yeah, this is this is really good. This is really good. This is gonna go. This is less than an hour. Maybe Blunt will do a buy one, take the, one for five. The, for this us. may be <laughs> uh, honestly take five of them. Even this may be as far as forget about the, the the things we talked about today. As far as coupling a bourbon with a cigar, this may be my favorite show. The, the cigar is 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 a full mild, so you have a flavorful mild. You don't feel like it's it's wasting your time, um, and yeah, and, and the bourbon's just easy. It's it's I can't say enough good things about it. Very pleased uh, that we we did just this. April D Gregory on Twitter, follow her. April D Gregory Fingers Malloy Radio on Facebook, facebook.com slash Fingers Malloy Radio, and me. Uh, you find me Tony Katz Radio on Facebook, Tony Katz on Instagram. And Twitter, TonyCats.com. You can find podcasts there. But you're going to iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and you're subscribing. Eat, drink, smoke. Subscribe. Five-star review. And write the review as well. Get it done immediately. This is Eat, Drink, Smoke.